Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and we are, I believe it's the fifth week, the fifth installment of a seven-part series called I Am. Can you say I Am? This is such a, a, a beautiful passage. You know, throughout the Gospel of John, we read seven different times where Jesus says, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the vine. I am the light of the world. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor David Ray preach that. Didn't he do an amazing job? Come on, put your hands together. Show your love for David all day, Ray. Because I could listen to him preach all day. Well, today I want to talk to you about the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. In John chapter 10, and let me give you some context before we dive into this. Jesus currently is in a debate with the Pharisees. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. What is up with those Pharisees? You know, there's something about fighting demons of darkness. But how many of you know there are also some religious devils out there as well? And it's interesting to me, in the the years that I've been in ministry, in the days that I've lived for Christ, it is a religious spirit is just tough. You know, everywhere you read Jesus advancing the kingdom, he was always met in opposition by the Pharisees. I think they were jealous of Jesus. And I think they saw that he had something that they didn't. I think they felt threatened because the kingdom was arriving in power and their position was was at stake. And they were afraid of what they were going to lose. And so every time Jesus would do something, he was met by the Pharisees. And here we see Jesus in a debate with the Pharisees. Let me just pause right here before I move forward and just caution some of you uh, because there are some debates that you just don't need to be drawn into. You know, sometimes we feel like it's our responsibility to convince somebody or prove that they're wrong or show that we're right. And in the age of social media, sometimes things can get sideways really fast. Uh, I've discovered that mostly debate creates heat. It doesn't produce light. And, um, and so just, just a word to the wise there. We see the Pharisees opposing Jesus, and he's in conversation with them, and they're trying to answer the question, who can truly give God's sheep safe access to God. And in your mind, I want you to see a picture of a large sheep pen. Uh, This sheep pen was made of of earth and stone, and they would pile these rocks up really high to form an enclosure uh, for the sheep. Now, this sheep pen didn't have a roof, but on the walls of the, the sheep pen, on these rocks, they would put thorns to serve as a protective barrier. In many cases, they didn't have a gate or a door. And so the shepherd who would watch these flocks, and they were multiple flocks that would overnight be guarded by a gatekeeper, the shepherd himself would lay in the doorway, the entrance of that sheep pen, and be the gate. And here's what Jesus says in John 10, verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. Aren't you thankful that Jesus explains things? 
Sometimes the gospel or or sometimes religion can be confusing. But Jesus always intended the, the power of the gospel to be simple and to be clear. So he explained himself, and this is what he said. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me, they'll be saved. They'll come and go freely, and they'll find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Can I have a good amen? I love this passage, and I love what it speaks to us about who God is. Jesus is the expression of God in the flesh. Jesus told Philip, if you want to see the Father, then just look at me. You know, I am the revelation of who God is. Um, The gate, he says, when Jesus says, I am the gate, you know, a gate represents access. Nod your head if you're with me. A gate is an entrance. It represents access. But that gate will also create separation from those things that are on the outside to those things that are within. A gate is a separation. Things on the outside, things on the end. When I thought about it, you know, this week in preparation, I thought sin creates a wall of separation. You and I, when we are born into this world, we are born in, with a sinful nature. And, you know, our sinfulness, brick by brick, it creates a wall of separation between us and God. But your soul and my soul longs for a Savior. We long for communion with God, the Creator. We we long to know our purpose, our significance, and our meaning. And so with this wall of sin that separates us, our soul looks for a gate. We need an entrance. We need access. Where do we find that? Jesus says, I am that gate. I'm telling you, your soul will never find satisfaction until you enter through the gate of Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage, there are three things that the gate promises us. And I want to walk you through this and just kind of paint a picture. When Jesus says, I am the gate, what does that mean for you and me? Look at what he says in verse 7. He explained it to them and he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. The first thing I want you to see in this passage that Jesus the gate does, number one, he provides protection. Everybody say protection. There are thieves and there are robbers that must be kept out. How many ever had something stolen from you? How does that make you feel? You feel violated? Yeah, somebody break into your place, take something that doesn't belong to them. A thief will always take what's not his. Jesus said, I'm the gate. I'll give you protection. You know, thieves and robbers don't break into empty houses. Can I have a better amen? You see, a thief knows that there's something of value in there. It may not belong to me, but I want it. I thought about this. You know, the enemy wouldn't be attacking you. If there weren't something valuable inside of you. Oh, come on now. For some of you, this ought to bring brand new revelation. 
You think, man, why am I always going through stuff? Why am I always fighting a battle? Why is the enemy always coming against me? Because you have something of value inside of you. If you didn't have any worth, the enemy would leave you alone. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Question, how many of you, when you go to bed at night, you make sure that your front door is shut? Yeah? Okay, how many of you not only make sure it's shut, but that that door is locked? Not only is it shut and locked, but how many of you have a deadbolt that you make sure it's engaged? We shut the door. We lock the door. We deadbolt the door. Anybody got a chain that you have on your door? We shut it. We lock it. We chain it. We deadbolt it. How many of you have an alarm that you set? Oh, yes. We shut the door. We lock the door, we deadbolt the door, we chain the door, we set the house alarm. Anybody got a dog? And for some of you that don't have a home alarm, your dog is the alarm, right? What are we saying? We're saying that what is in here is so valuable that I'm not going to let anything out there threaten the safety of what God has placed in my home. You know, and, and Rachel's very protective at our house, too. I mean, she will, she makes sure, she's quick to shut things, lock things. In fact, there are multiple times I leave, I go out, I take the trash can to the curb. By the time I get back, I can't even get in my own house. And it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What are we saying? What are we saying? Jesus is saying, I have placed something very valuable in you. And if you're one of mine, if you're a sheep in my pen, I am the gatekeeper. And I'll protect you. Thieves and robbers don't come through the gates. I, I love that because I feel like some of us, oh, and boy, I'm about to step into something right now. Some of us, the enemy has robbed us. He's robbed you of some things. You know what the devil would love to take from you? Your peace. Oh, I'm serving God. But listen, if you've got strife up in your life, if you've got turmoil and, and it's always an issue, I want, I want to help some people today. Some of you just need to say no to drama. And the people who bring drama with them. People who do drama are emotionally expensive, are they not? I can't afford them. You're going to have to set some boundaries. Don't let the enemy rob you of this thing called peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. My peace I'll leave with you. I don't give it as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know, if you're a sheep in the, in the sheep pen of the Lord, he says, I'll give you peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that will guard your heart and your mind. But if the enemy can take your peace, he can paralyze your power. He, he wants to create crisis in your world, and then you forfeit peace. In fact, you surrender it to him. He doesn't even have to break in and get it. Some of us, we give it away. Can I tell you what I've learned about peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Something we can't always control the storms in life. There's weather that we have no control over. I don't know about the storm outside of me, but I promise you, I don't have to let that storm get on the inside. 
Sometimes Jesus will speak peace to the storm. Sometimes Jesus will let the storm rage and he'll speak peace to his child. He is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26 puts it this way. Jesus said, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon me because you trust in me. How many of you, you need your peace and you don't, need, you don't want to give it away? I want peace. I need the peace of Jesus. Guess what? That peace is inside of you. And Jesus says, I'm the gate, and I can protect that thing, and it doesn't have to be stolen. Devils still try to steal your peace. You know what else the devil tries to rob us from? He tries to rob us of joy. Joy. Well, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be happy one day. I, I'm telling you, I'm working on it. I'll get there. And you know what we do? We're in school. We say, you know, I'll be happy if I can just... Get out of school. If I can graduate from school, and then we graduate, and we got to get a job. <sighs> well, you know what? I'll be happy if I can find the right job. And then we get a job, start making a little money. Oh, I'm so lonely, man. i got to share this with somebody. I'll be happy when I get married. <laughs> uh, somebody said single people are sad and married people are mad. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And then we get married. <laughs> How many know if you find the right one, there's nothing like it? Find the wrong one, there's nothing like it. <laughs> well, I'll be happy. Okay, you get married. I'll be happy when I, I can just have some kids. I just need kids. <laughs> and then we got kids. We got Eenie, we got Meenie, we got Minie. We say, please, no more. Please, no more. Oh, these kids, when are you going to fend for yourself? I mean, figure it out. Pick up out of yourself. Get a job. Make your own. I'll be happy when they get out the house. And then guess what? They grow up and get out of the house. Oh, it sure is quiet in here. I need some grandkids. Right? Now, do you see how we went from high school to grandkids? And we're still chasing happiness? When are you going to be happy? Bible says in Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hear me. To rejoice is a choice. If you're going to have joy this day and age, you're going to have to be happy and be joyful on purpose. Let me ask you this. Did the devil really steal your joy? Or did you tell him to hold on to it until God gave you your way? Mm. Oh, I didn't say that in the early service. That's that Joyce Meyer, Mama Joyce, coming out of me right now, I guess. Sometimes we say the devil stole it, but really he didn't steal it. We kind of just gave it away. You know where true joy is found? When you surrender to God. God, your way. Hey, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And I'm not going to let the world take it from me. It's not dependent on what happens out there. Joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why the devil wants to rob you of joy, because if he's got your joy, then you're rendered powerless. Am I talking to anybody today? He says, Jesus said, I'm the gate. All who came before me were thieves and they were robbers. A gate is in place to protect. God wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to have the power that joy brings. Some of you have, have, have a low sense of self-worth. Your identity is so low that you carry guilt and shame everywhere you go. 
It's hard for you to receive the goodness of God because you don't even feel worthy. And yet Jesus would come and die on a cross and shed his blood. God would raise him from the dead. And God would do all of this to tell you how valuable you are to him. A gate is for protection. There are some things on the inside of you that are worth protecting. Can I tell you something about the enemy of your soul? He's a liar. The devil is a liar. Whatever the enemy is telling you, you ought to thank God for the opposite. If the devil tells you you're worthless, you ought to say, Lord, thank you for making me worthy. Whatever lie the enemy is whispering to you, if, if you know it's a lie, can I tell you, I went about five years ago, the enemy for about two weeks was lying to me, telling me I was going through a season, going through an experience in my life. He told me, look, on the other side of this, you won't have a friend left. And I knew it was a lie. And here's the irrationale of all of it. I believed it anyway. And he was punishing me with something that wasn't even true. Some of you are listening to the lies of the enemy and you listen to it long enough, you start believing it as true. The enemy's a liar. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come. How many know the devil has a plan for your life, but God has a plan for your life? My question to us is this, what plan are we going to cooperate with? Jesus says, I'm the gate. The gate serves as protection to keep thieves and robbers out. You know, what's interesting, I read this the other day. The Chinese government, they suffered so many foreign invasions that they decided to do something about it. This is hundreds of years ago. They decided in order to protect their kingdom, their nation, that they would build a wall. And many of you know it's called the Great Wall of China. Did you know that wall is over 13,000 miles long? A single wall. Now, there's different parts and sections, but collectively it's over 13,000 miles long. In some places, it's 25 feet tall, and some places are 20 feet wide. And the whole reason why it's built of earth and stone, in fact, some people say you can see it. It's the only man-made object that you can see from outer space magnificent structure. The whole purpose of that country building a wall, it took them over three centuries to do it. I think it was complete in 1644. Over many dynasties contributed to this project, but its sole purpose was to protect the interest of the nation. You know what the sad truth is? That China suffered as many invasions after the wall was built as they did before. You know why? Because when the enemy would come to the gate, listen to me, when the enemy would come to the gate, they would bribe the guards at the gate. You see, China built a great wall, but they forgot to build their people. You can build a structure and not build the man within the structure. Jesus says, I'm a gate and I can't be bought. I can't be bribed. I can't be blackmailed. You're not going to get anything by me. My sheep are in here. And guess what? The enemy's going to stay out there. Can I have a good amen? This ought to bring great comfort to us who name Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. Now, it doesn't say the weapons won't be formed, but the Bible says those weapons that are formed won't prosper. If you're a sheep in his sheep pen, Jesus says, I got you. I remember several years ago when, when Rachel and I when we first stepped in to, to become lead pastors of the church, 
I asked Brother Larry Stocksdale to come preach on a Sunday. It was in May of 2013. And after service was over with, he and Sister Melanie, we, we took them to lunch. So it was me and Rachel, and it was Brother Larry and Sister Melanie Stockstill. And I'll never forget, as we were sitting at that table, he talked to me, and I felt like a, a, a mantle was resting on me when he said these words. He said, Mike, you and your wife are now the gatekeepers of Healing Place Church. The sheep that call this their family, you are now a gatekeeper. And whatever you give, whatever you allow into your life, you give entrance into the life of the church. You know what? I felt a holy fear rest upon me that immorality, compromise, mediocrity, I don't want to allow anything in my life that gives entrance into the church. I got to have purity. I got to have holiness. I got to walk righteously before the Lord. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but I know that my decisions affect you. And if there's sin in my life, if there's immorality in my life, then I am a gatekeeper and I allow that into the entrance of the church. How many of you know at your home, you're a gatekeeper? And God has commissioned us and given us a responsibility. If you're married, man, for your wife, if you have children, for your sons and your daughters, in your relationships, you are a gatekeeper. I want to tell you, parents, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. What you do in moderation, well, just a little bit here, it's no big deal, I got this. What we do in moderation, if we're not careful, we'll give entrance to that into our home. And our kids will take that. Come on, are you with me? Jesus says, I'm the gate. I'm trying to protect you from those things that are without. Now, notice what he says here in verse 9. He says, yes, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. Now, watch this. The gate not only protects us from those things that are without, but when you're in, that gate provides freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. It says you will come and go freely. A gate keeps the bad things out, but a gate also secures the good things within. And within that gate, within those boundaries, there's tremendous freedom. And, and here's the picture I'm trying to paint. And I, I want to give you a couple of analogies that may help us see this. Because sometimes, you know, I think Jesus gets a bad rap. In fact, they put Jesus in the realm of religion, and they're not the same. Religion is bondage. Religion is restriction. Religion is all the things that you do and all the things that you don't do. But Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm here for relationship. And some people say, well, I don't want to be a Christian because then I can't, I can't do anything fun. Have you heard that before? I had a guy come to me one time and said, Mike, before I got saved, I was the life of the party. And then I became a Christian. I'm like, dude, what God are you serving? What Bible are you reading? Man, when I got saved, the party just got started. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you got to stop dancing. I'm just saying switch partners. Man, now you're dancing with Jesus. Come on now. And I think that Christianity gets a bad rap because it's, well, the gate is about my restriction. And if I'm locked into a gate, I don't have freedom. No, you got plenty of freedom. In fact, you know, for our children, especially when they were small, man, we had a fence that went all the way around the backyard. And that fence, you know, in the backyard, we had a trampoline, had a swing set. Man, they could play all kinds of games. We'd turn them loose. Hey, guys, see that? All that green pasture out there? Set yourself free. Are you with me? Yeah. 
Well, I, I knew that there, beyond that gate then, there was some danger. You know, beyond that gate then, okay, that was a realm now that, okay, they could be vulnerable. But within that gate, within this area now, well, you're just restricting me. You're restricting me. You're, you're trying to keep me from having fun. No, no, no. It's, it's not about your restriction. It's about your protection. And in the safety of his presence, there is tremendous freedom. Let me, let me say it this way. How many has ever been to a theme park and you've been on a roller coaster? How many of you used to, back in the day, you were wild, reckless, adventurous, and you just loved, thrill seekers, you love the roller coasters. But you don't do roller coasters anymore. Oh, yeah. I think better with both feet on the ground. I'm the guy officially now. I used to not be, but I'm the guy that will hold the purses and all the jackets while they, okay, y'all go ahead and be right here. Man, I like both feet on the floor. But when you're on that coaster, what's the first thing that they do? They strap you in. Oh, blessed seatbelt. Can I have a good amen? How many of you are thankful for that? Get me on a roller coaster, but don't put me in a harness. Don't, don't put me in a restraint or fasten a seatbelt, and it is over. But you know what? On a coaster, you can do amazing things. You can do things you never could do just standing on the ground as long as you have that restraint. And there is a restraint. I think part of the gate of Jesus is saying all the freedom you need is right here. The best in life for you, I have carved it out in front of you. And, you know, that's why as men and women, we need accountability in our lives. Accountability serves as a gate. It keeps me in between the ditches. It keeps my focus where it needs to be. I've got accountability in my life. I see the gates that God has put in my life, and I'm thankful for them. I'm grateful for accountability because I know that without it, I could get injured. Injured bad. If you don't put restrictions on your flesh your spirit will be in bondage. Can I say that again? Because we live in a culture of access and excess. Hear me, hear me. Access and excess. And this is how addiction to drugs and alcohol and pornography and all these things, if you don't put restrictions on your flesh, your spirit is going to be in bondage. But if you'll say no to your flesh, your spirit can be free. Sheep, just by nature, have a propensity to wander. And the Bible says in Jude 24, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How many of you are thankful for the freedom that you have in Christ? I am free in him. Free to say no to my flesh so that I can say yes to the Spirit. You catching this? Everybody say protection. Everybody say freedom. Somebody say life. Let me, let me wrap this up. Verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The third thing, and I think this is the most exciting Jesus, being the gate, gives us an opportunity for life, but not just ordinary life. He says, abundant life. In fact, the Amplified says it this way. I've come to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. How many of you want to experience something like that? 
Jesus paid way too high a price for me just to live a mediocre life. I want abundant life. You know, at the beginning of time when Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, what did God do? As a consequence, he kicked them out of the garden and then at the gate, there was a gate with an angel and flaming swords. They did not have access to come back in. And from that day to this day, man has always longed to get back to Eden. I think within your heart and within my heart, there is a desire for a paradise that God created for us. Jesus says, you want to get back into the garden? It's through me. What, what your sin forfeited, my grace now covers. If you want a rich and satisfying life, that comes through me. You know, I, I heard a story recently of a, of a guy that used to work on a chicken farm. How many of you seen those 18-wheelers that are hauling those chickens? Anybody see you get behind one of them on a road or a highway? Yeah, you see those pins that are just stacked. You know, you got chickens all up in there, man. I'm driving behind it. I'm thinking, man, Chick-fil-A, here I come, baby. <laughs> And he said his favorite thing about the job, because they would transport these chickens from one place to the next, and his responsibility when a truck would come in, he would unload that truck, and he would open the door of those cages, and the chickens, when they were transported, they were tied together at the leg. So they'd have all these chickens tied together in a pen. Well, he'd unload those pens, open the doors, and then he would cut the, 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 the ties from their legs so they could be free. But he said what was interesting is because they had traveled so long in a cage, because they had been tied up so long together that when they were free, they'd just sit there and wouldn't do anything. So he said, my favorite part of the job, I had to slap chickens. <laughs> I mean, literally, he just, he spent, I, I spent all summer just slapping chickens. And, boom, and it's like when he'd slap those chickens, almost like, wake up. Then they start to move and they start kicking those legs. How many ever seen a chicken run? Oh, yes. They'd be running all over the yard. They were free, but they didn't know it. They still lived as if they were bound. And I think sometimes God needs to slap us. Wait a second now. Whoa, whoa, wait. I have come that you might have life. I've come to give you life in abundance. I've come to give you life to the full. And this life that I've come to give you, it's got to overflow. You are free. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Pow! I think God's probably slapping some chickens in here today. Don't live bound. You're free. Jesus said, because I'm the gate, you got life. You know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't end this without sharing one final thought. When I was in Israel in November of last year, I stood on the top of the Mount of Olives. And I looked at the holy city. The Bible says it's a city that Jesus wept over. It's a city that Jesus will return to. <clears throat> I saw the city surrounded by a wall, and you know this. There's a wall that goes completely around the city of Jerusalem. 
And there are certain gates, entry points into that city. In fact, currently in the city of Jerusalem, there are eight gates. And as I stood on the top of the Mount of Olives and I looked at the holy city and I saw the Temple Mount. You understand biblical history. You know Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to that same mountain. And he's going to enter into that same city. Now, one week from today, we will celebrate Palm Sunday. The first time Jesus entered into the city. (laughs) Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. First time he entered that city, it was on a donkey. And they waved those palm branches. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna. He entered through the humility of a donkey, but he's coming back a second time to that city. And he's not going to be riding a donkey. He's going to be on a white horse. And he's coming with fire in his eyes and with a sword in his hand. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you know what's interesting? The history of the city of Jerusalem in 1500, under the Ottoman Empire, the Muslims, they walled in one of those gates, the eastern gate. That gate is in closest proximity to the Temple Mount. Many people believe that when Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem, he's coming through the eastern gate. It's also known as the beautiful gate or or the golden gate is what they call it. Interesting to me how on the top of Mount Olives, I look at the eastern gate and it's a wall of cement 16 feet high. Somebody's trying to keep Jesus out. Oh, 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 by the way, there's a graveyard in front of that gate. Not only did they wall it in, cement it in, but they put a graveyard in front of it. Jesus being a rabbi, I can't touch any dead thing. It would make him unclean. So it's like everything we can do to keep this guy out. Can I tell you, cement won't keep him away. And whatever dead thing that's in his path will come to life. And there's coming a day when Jesus will touch the top of the Mount of Olives and he'll ride into that city with all glory, all power, all honor, all majesty, all authority. Jesus will come and set up his kingdom here on earth. And on that day, on that day, unless you and I enter into the gate, Jesus said, I am the gate. I am that way. You need salvation. You want to be saved. You want to be set free. You want to be satisfied. It comes through the gate of Jesus Christ. There is only one way and he is that way. One day in heaven, there will be a gate and it'll never be closed. Bible says in Revelation 21, its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.